This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, December 17th, 2021, on your public radio station, KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. You can listen to us anytime, anywhere with the KUAF app. I'm Kyle Kellums. Just ahead this hour, we conclude the third episode of the Reflections podcast that we began yesterday on our show. Familiar voices Leah Uribe and Lee Wood serve as your co-hosts and will pick up the conversation started yesterday about how art can help with peace-building, healing, and reconciliation. That's just ahead on today's show. Later this hour, Becca Martin-Brown, the Features Editor with the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, talks to us one last time before we end this year. She says there is a still busy lineup of holiday events taking place throughout our region this weekend. And Courtney Lanning says a new movie directed by George Clooney, The Tender Bar, is a quiet change from the loud blockbusters filling theaters right now. And she says The Tender Bar is one of the best movies of the year. We'll hear her review. Plus, how an actor in the national touring production of Mean Girls, which is on stage through Sunday afternoon at Walton Arts Center in Fayetteville, started something during the pandemic that is anything but mean. That's all ahead on today's show. In this note, this is our last new edition of Ozarks at Large for 2021. We're going to take a break for two and a half weeks and then return with new shows on Thursday, January 6th. The people who put this show together have worked above and beyond since the start of the pandemic more than 22 months ago. An arrest is warranted and needed so we can bring you even more and better shows in 2022. We'll have a series of specials during our time away, including... Timothy Dennis with you Monday with a collection of holiday music that's been recorded for Ozarks at Large in the past few years. Thank you for being with us this past year. And for the past 11 plus years, we've been a daily show. And for the nearly 32 years that I've been fortunate enough to host this program, we couldn't do it without you. Thank you very much. Friday, this is Ozarks at Large. Last month, the Reflections Music Series facilitated a conversation with three distinguished guests about the social impact of the arts in peacebuilding, reconciliation, and healing. The third episode of the Reflections podcast is a continuation of that conversation. We heard the first half of that episode on yesterday's Ozarks at Large. Part two of the third episode of the Reflections podcast continues today with our guests, Luis Fernando Restrepo, university professor and director of the Comparative Literature and Cultural Studies Program at the University of Arkansas and member of the Scholars at Risk Committee. Anna Baer, video choreographer and professor of dance at Texas State University. And Cesar Lopez, musician, composer, activist, UN nonviolence messenger, and Amnesty International Emissary of Consciousness and creator of Escopatara. As I mentioned in this conversation, they share the reflections about how creating art, literature, music can facilitate peace-building, reconciliation, and healing. But also, they talk about the limitations of these arts on the daily lives of those living in violent situations around the world. Again, in today's conversation, you will hear from Dr. Leah Uribe, Associate Chair at the University of Arkansas Department of Music, and Lee Wood, General Manager of KUAF. Dr. Erica Almanara from the Department of World Languages, Literatures, and Cultures, who will also act as interpreter for Cesar, and Rogelio Garcia Contreras from the Sam M. Walton College of Business and Director of Social Innovation at Arkansas Global Changemakers. Everybody in this space is an educator. And in the panel yesterday, uh, we mentioned that, and of course, from the Louis perspectives as well, is the importance of uh, connecting with our students and uh, relating these issues so they are better equipped to face this world and to do something with this information. And this is an open question to all of you, including Rogelio and Erica and uh, Cesar teaches as well in Colombia, and of course, uh, Ana, Luis. Uh, how do we 
is this dichotomy, right, of uh, dichotomy of education is in our hands to teach, but education is also a result of the system that has left some voices out. So how do we teach this? How do we use that very same platform to deliver the right and transforming message to our students? Well, I feel like we just need to be super intentional all the time. You know, we're um, lucky or um, we're in a position of power somehow, right? And of course, we have to follow rules from, you know, our universities and provost and all of this. But um, for the most part, I think we can add or delete or, you know, transform our syllabi in a way that could be more representative or to bring more critical thought into a dance class, right? Um, so I think we just have to be all the time intentional. What are we wanting for our students? And um, I struggle with this all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I don't have the answers. I'm just, you know, questioning myself all the time. What can I do for this group of students? What, what do they not know about yet? And what, and how does it fit into my curricula? Because I have to teach um, something, right? Uh, whether it be choreography, but then can I not show these examples that maybe they wouldn't even be able to find, you know, in a Google search? And um, yeah, it's just like that extra work and that intentionality. I think that's, that's a way. I would uh, second what Anna just said. Um, teaching about all these uh, very difficult, uh, horrible stories uh, is very easy, and Cesar has said it before, to get drawn into the violence and the narrative of violence and the trauma and, and really not be able to respond. So, and, and the political science approach to it, the historical approach is a lot on the numbers and the political issues, but it is the art you know, through film, through music, through literature, um, that we can come to terms with the human experience of, uh, of those other lives, you know, the, the, that are worth grieving, that sometimes the main narratives do not grieve, they're not on the front page. But also, I started moving from teaching violence, uh, political violence in, in Latin America and human rights to the post-conflict literature and post-conflict cultures and responses that are very positive. That, that's, that's basically what Cesar is doing and Ana. Um, how can we go beyond the pain and look for ways that art helps us explore uh, these difficult questions um, that, that uh, the media just makes it into a, a, a selling point. Um, so we just need to stop and think and experience the, the loss of life, the importance of life, but also through art to, to build uh, hope and to create solidarity uh, questions. So that's, that's the more critical reflection. And, and that's when you have someone in the presentation we had yesterday, like uh, Doris Salcedo, that takes elements from day-to-day -day life, furniture like chairs, and cabinets and the cabinets she blocks them and fills them so they're not longer useful but the chairs she hangs them outside of, of buildings that have been subject to violent attacks or there's there's a um a installations that she did for the istanbul uh, biennale is is a pile of of chairs you know like a building high all disorganized and it really sees how it makes you think of all the life that is upset by war in a way that you have time to think, reflect, experience, and connect with yourself and, and get the better human inside you to see how we can really not be indifferent to war. Volver a indignarme esta realidad Entonces volveré a pararme Volveré a salir a marchar a exigir Con el alma encendida Hasta que amemos la vida
Yeah, I would just like to comment that what has been said in here is really important in the sense that although we teach and we share these violent acts, this misery, this death, this destruction, it's also important to balance that with the study of acts of resistance as the ones that Cesar have been sharing with us, these artists playing music, uh, keeping those galleries open and creating these spaces of resistance through the arts, right? And I also think that it's really important for us, and I think that that's changing in what I have been reading. How do we make our students sensitive to this kind of realities that in a way are so distant from their own experience of life, right? And I think it's also important to bring experiences to our classrooms, like direct subjects speaking or sharing their own experiences, because one is to read, yes, a short story, to listen to a, mu a music piece that can tell us about pain, about loss, about suffering, but also to give them the opportunity to bring those who have been directly um, touched or impacted by these moments of violence or pain or harm to share their experience. No? Because when we dialogue from human to human, then a different connection also is a sparkle. We dialogue with our students about this and as Luis was saying you no know, how we and our own privileges you no know, uh in a way cast that in a different country or to those group of people you not know, to go through what Cesar was saying to always you know being self reflecting about what we do what we eat what we buy right and how that has an impact and effect in the life of others it doesn't matter if they are so far away, but they always have an impact. And the, the idea of connection, right? Of connection that we are one at the end. One of the things that struck me uh, is the, exactly what you're talking about, the role, the imagination and how there was a mention of, you know, to be careful not to put the artist in a position where they're morally superior or they're, they're um, you know, that we are dependent on them to show us things, but that it's the imagination, it's imagining what the future is could look like that's different than today, imagining uh, what our existence could be like if we did see that we were all one, as Erica was saying. Um, that act and that role of the artist uh, is the most inspirational. And it does something, I don't know if you noticed, but when uh, Rogelio was just telling that story about seeing uh, that piece, he smiled Everyone smiled. Everyone's face lit up. And turning that from, from something so dark and tragic and utterly anti-human into that smile, that I don't know if, there, if I can put words on what that process is. And that's what I see your, your work doing. Is that communal experience, right? And mm -hmm. that's what... Uh what we do when we get together and uh, run a race together or meditate together or attend a concert together and multiply those feelings, yes. the power of groups and community. Yes, uh, and thinking of the intentional imagination and the um, appeal or actually um, this, this convocation that art can do, it has to do a lot with framing how with the different media, whether it's sound, music, visual, um, uh, movement, uh, that, that, that it could be transformative. So uh, Judith Butler has this book that is, is the frames of war and basically who is really worth being mourned. Uh, so in general narratives, 
framework to the point that you only concentrate on the loss of, let's say, U.S. lives, not the other lives, when we record that. So we need to reframe the look, uh, whether it's in film, in, in, in a novel, uh, through music, through the appeal. And, and art has a long tradition, you know, going back to the Greek theater, it's how the expectator uh, it's and that's what Rogelio was trying to do uh, to mention on, on how we're drawn into the different narratives to feel compassion or not and humanitarian narratives sometimes uh, have some triangular representation of the pain you usually don't look necessarily at the people suffering but there is an intermediary that is there that is a more familiar image uh, you can think of La Pietà, you know, the, the, in the Christian iconography, because, you know, it, it, this draws a lot from Christian iconography. Is the mother suffering for the death of the child? We're not looking at the child directly that is dead, but it filters uh, the, this to a, through a more familiar. So then you can have ma Mother Teresa with a child there, or, or, or Madonna or Angelina Jolie carrying a you know, African child. And it's pretty much the same structuring. So when we come aware of uh, how these narratives are in a way playing with us, and, and artists are very conscious of, on how to respond to those familiar domestication of the horror of war, they start looking for creative ways that, that makes us broaden that frame and make it more human. So it's texture, musical texture, medium texture, narrative texture that we have to work. And so it's not, it's not really immediate. Uh, and, and that's where art takes two or three steps from the reporter that is taking there. Yeah, and even with photography. Um, so it, it's a big responsibility if you have two or three minutes to think about how can I reflect on this very difficult reality that will be positive, that is not just selling and drawing uh, the violence or reproducing the violence? That is the challenge. And Luis just made a call for all of us to reflect, and that's what we do in Reflections. We invite our audiences, and we define audience in a very broad way. Because uh, in, to this conversation, we're inviting artists and musicians and community members and audiences that go to concerts or go to the museum to uh, experience or, or to see movement or whatever that is. We also involve in this conversation arts organizations, especially in our area, to come and uh, help us think about how to move these conversations in a, to a deeper way and act as a platform for the goals we have, which at the end of the day is have more, have more voices included. I stop in class uh, a lot to say, you know, it's uh, 8 a.m. or it's 11 a.m. We're here discussing art and literature. That is a privilege. We're doing it because other people are there, you know, picking up lettuce and tomato and making possible for us to continue living. So it, it is, seems to be an act of violence unless we use that time wisely. And then the voice from the others I saw in a graffiti in uh, Bogota, and I have a picture of it, uh, and it basically says, if they don't let us dream, we won't let them sleep. just read a little bit of what Anne uh, Lauterbach uh, writes, the poet. This is about uh, good poems or good poetry, but uh, it extends, I think, to good art. Um, it says, good poems reconfigure the place between acts of perception and response. I think that's what we're trying to do. And we were talking yesterday about how we want to um, um, make the readings more complex. So um, by abstracting our work, right? And um, we give the audience the, the space, the air to really draw their own meanings. And hopefully they get in touch with their feelings and that's what brings this um, compassion. I'm not as advanced probably because I don't know how to move from there to the forgiveness. I'm, I'm, I'm still figuring um, 
I, I understand what Susan Sontag says about not just showing a violent art of work or, or a violent event as um, a pornographic event, right? We're just like obsessed with all of these images that we see every day and how to go from there to the artistic abstraction. I think that's where I am, but still I'm not sure how to go from there into the other very beautiful idea of bringing hope or, you know, trying to um, go past that event of violence or tragedy or whatever we're talking about. Um, so I think I, I have lots to, to think about and to learn. And um, I'm waiting also for Luis's uh, book to see uh, if that helps. I just quickly want to say, Anna, thank you for sharing that. And it completely connects with the conversation yesterday, the complexity of the artist. And it's just as valid to be angry and to not be, be able to forgive yet as a place of igniting that creative process within. And hopefully we will get there eventually. But uh, where you are is where many of us are too. To go uh, through the process of this, this, this reflection without without um, really thinking, uh, be a little uh, uh, critical of our, our own role in the whole process. And I think uh, all of you have somehow uh, shared how art above anything else is also an act of bravery, even if imperfect, even if uh, out of contradictions or um, out of our own struggles uh, is definitely an act of, 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 of bravery, of courage. And uh, in my opinion, that is one of the, of the things that really help, uh, again, bring those omissions to the surface, it, 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 it really needs, it, it really takes courage to bring, to point out the omissions, even if we don't even understand uh, how they happen or how we are part of them, or even if we don't forgive uh, or forget or are able to do that, it, it bringing those omissions to the surface, it, it really requires courage. And I think, um, I thank you for for uh, being um, so uh, such a uh, courageous, group and for the work that you do and the thoughts that you share with us. May I share this listening to Cesar and the young work that I have been doing and many of you have been doing in a way I think that we need to go back to spirituality and uh, power of creation no, in its broad sense um, to realize that, as Cesar said yesterday, we do have the power to create new words, new, our reality. And I think that that's something that we will have to explore as a species to survive and to do things in a better way. So I, I want to I wanna bring that to what I teach and how I teach and talking to Cesar and listening to all of you really inspire me to be a better teacher and to want to give more to my students and to myself as well. So thank you. Cesar, your reflection. Estaba recordando que aquí en aquí en mi casa estuvo una artista rapera de Palestina. I remember that I received this woman that was a rapper from Palestina. Uh, into my house and I was like very glad of showing her uh, my escopetarra and I was expecting her to admire uh, to really like uh, my piece but then she said to me I don't like this I don't have the time for this kind of stupid things or these transformations, what I need is the gun to defend myself, to defend my family in the middle of a war where they are trying to kill me. I don't need a symbol. I need something to protect myself and the ones that I love. 
So that experience made me think about my own privileges, the privilege that I have, that we have to, to reflect, to create. And I thought about the limits of what we can really do with art. And to finish my intervention, I want to share these two statements with you that I constantly think about and that in a way uh, motivates me to uh, participate, to understand things in a different way. One is that there is no good or bad people, that we are all slaves of certain circumstances, emotions, or interests. And the second statement is that every human being acts for love or because there is a lack of love, no? And these are the ways that I have been trying to always remember to uh, make me operate and exist in life and understand everybody in a better way. Thank you for listening to the Reflections podcast. Again, this podcast is a companion to the Reflections music series, which is made possible due to a lot of people we'd like to thank right now. We have an amazing team of friends and colleagues, um, and they bring their unique perspectives and commitment to uh, discuss, which is Reflections. Um, our team is formed by Helen Bequé, Rhonda Mains, Catalina Ortega, Eric Trujano, Erika Almenara, Rogelio Garcia Contreras, and you and me. That's right. And thank you again to the Women's Giving Circle for making this podcast possible. And thank you for listening. Please go subscribe so you will get new episodes as they come out and connect with us through reflectionsmusic.org. Find us on social media and uh, please share your reflections with us. The podcast we just heard is part of Reflections Music Series third season and is available at KUAF.com and anywhere you find your podcasts. Reflections Music Series is a project funded by the University of Arkansas Chancellor's Grant for the Humanities and Performing Arts Initiative and sponsored by the J. William Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, the Department of Music, KUAF 91.3 Public Radio, and the Women's Giving Circle. And this conversation will continue into the spring semester with the release of Collective Grief, a public art installation, concert, and collaborative effort between Lopez and Bear, University of Arkansas students and faculty, and the Northwest Arkansas community. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. Scott Family Amazium in Bentonville offers a place to play during the holidays. All ages are invited to experience the joy and discovery of the arts and sciences through hands-on interactive experiences. The Amazium is closed on December 24th and 25th. Holiday hours, exhibits, and more information available at amazium.org. This is Ozarks at Large with me on the phone from her Bella Vista office, ready to give us holiday cheer, is Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Howdy, Becca. For the last time in 2021. That is correct. Our show is going to take a bit of a break. The next time you and I talk, it's early January. There is still a ton of Christmas stuff to do this weekend, starting with a new play at Arts Live Theater called Yikes, Somebody's Haunting My Holiday Pageant. This sounds like right up my alley, right? Yes, it does. Novice detectives Dakota and Caroline get backstage passes for the world-famous holiday pageant, but festivities turn sour when props and costumes start going missing. Dakota is pretty sure a ghost is to blame. Will the detectives get to the bottom of the case in time for the show? And if it sounds like Scooby-Doo, it's because the playwright, Avery Batson, who is an alum of Arts Live Theater, was thinking of Scooby-Doo when she wrote it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I think it will be tons of fun. There are shows at 7 p.m. today and tomorrow and 2 p.m. tomorrow and Sunday. 
at Arts Live Theater on Sang Avenue in Fayetteville, and tickets are 10 to $12, and you can make reservations at artslivetheater.com. All right. And then at Theater Squared, they are busy. Oh, gosh, they're busy. They're doing a holiday show at their facility called The Heart of Christmas, Songs and Stories of the Season with Rob Sutton, who is a UA alum, and he has created a cabaret show themed around his favorite holiday. You know, it's it's the cabaret show, Christmas songs. Right. Patter. Right. Talk about growing up in Mountain View, graduating from the University of Arkansas, living in New York, 7.30 today, mm-hmm. 6 o'clock, and 8 o'clock tomorrow. And then again, December 21 through 23, and December 26th. Very good. At Theater Squared, starts at, tickets start at $41. Then over at the Fayetteville Public Library, Theater Squared is doing A Christmas Carol, the adaptation written by Amy Herzberg and Bob Ford. And this year, back with a full cast, they cut it down to like a two-person show last year. Right. But now it's back with the full cast in the beautiful event center at the Fayetteville Public Library with the beautiful set that is a library. And Bryce Kemp in the lead, who is a library of characters. <laughs> and that is at 7 o'clock Tuesday through Saturday, 2 o'clock Saturday and Sunday through December 26th. Tickets start at $10. Up the Road in Rogers, it's the last weekend of the best Christmas pageant ever. If you've never seen this, but you've ever seen a church Christmas pageant... You get it. This is what happens when you take a church Christmas pageant, turn it on its ear, and shake vigorously. (laughs) I like that description. The worst kids in town show up to be in the Christmas pageant because they heard there's food. And the other kids are so afraid of them because they're bullies that they end up cast as Joseph and Mary and the wise men, and the adults all think this is awful. And the kids figure out the real reason for the season. And everybody's eyes are opened that maybe you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. And this is the last weekend. and funny. This is the last weekend. 8 o'clock today and tomorrow, 2 o'clock on Sunday, and tickets start at $15. On up the road in Bentonville, Trike Theater is also wrapping up its production of Best Christmas Pageant Ever. And there's a show at 7 o'clock tonight and two shows tomorrow, one at 3 and one at 7. Tickets are $15. And then there's the Nutcracker at Northwest Arkansas Ballet Theater performing at the Air and Art Center. That's 7.30 today and tomorrow. The Hawkins House at the Rogers Historical Museum is still decorated for a patriotic Christmas as it might have been celebrated at the turn of the 20th century. And that's through December 31st. Tomorrow, Theater Squared is hosting a hot cocoa social. You're right. They are busy. Yeah. They're having stations at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., and noon at Theater Squared for kids to come make crafts, drink hot cocoa. It's all free, but you need to reserve a place by going to theater2.org or calling 479-777-7477. And Western Arkansas Ballet is doing the Nutcracker in Fort Smith for the 36th year. Wow. 7 p.m. on Saturday, 2 p.m. on Sunday at the Arc Best Performing Arts Center, and tickets start at $20. Starting on December 20th, holy cow, that's Monday. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Starting on December 20th, they're doing Winter Break Wonders again at Crystal Bridges, which Uh, is fun for kids. December 20th, the 22nd through the 24th, the 26th and 27th, the 29th and 30 through the 31st and January 1st and 2nd. It's free. You don't have to register. You just show up, listen to music together, make projects, a whole family thing, just to have fun while the kids are out of school. It's a wonderful resource. And one more. All right. On December 23rd. 
That's two days before Christmas, just in case you've lost count and have not yet panicked. The Walton Arts Center is screening the Polar Express at 3 and 7 p.m., and tickets are $10. So there's plenty to do between now and the holiday. Do you realize how close the holiday is? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Yes, I do. Yikes. Yes. Yikes. Yikes. You know, we are extremely blessed, you and I, because we have a blast doing this, and we have wonderful listeners. We do. So... We want to thank everybody for another great year and hope you come back and hang out with us in 2022. That's right. Beck and I will be talking again on Friday, January 7th, the show taking a break uh, for the last part of December, the first few days of January. Becca, I look forward to talking to you in 2022. I will see you soon. I hope I actually see you one of these days soon. And all of you out there in listening land, Mm -hmm. Happy holidays. We love you bunches. This is Ozarks at Large. With me via Zoom is film critic Courtney Lanning. Courtney, welcome back. Kyle, thanks for having me. Before we talk about uh, The Tender Bar, which you're going to tell us about here in a few minutes, I've got to tell you that my wife Laura and I finally watched 8-Bit Christmas, which you had reviewed a couple of weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. Laura Kellums, when it was over, declared it an instant holiday classic. That is Perfect. And that's honestly what I think most people feel like when they watch it. Uh, Steve Zahn is fantastic. The entire cast is great. And it's just a really heartwarming, poignant holiday movie. With Nintendo. With Nintendo. And as long as I'm telling you that I agreed with you on previous reviews, I saw, finally saw The Harder They Fall, which is that sort of imagined. Western on Netflix. Yeah. Imagined uh, what if real historic figures did things that they never did. I thought it was a great ride. I really enjoyed that one, too. Agree. Two for two, Kyle. I, I think we're we're off on a good foot for today's episode. And just to show people that I agree with you when you're not as enthusiastic, that Hugh Jackman movie that I can't remember the name of that's set in the future in Miami, I think you said when you were reviewing it for us that if you hadn't been reviewing it, you wouldn't have finished it. I wasn't reviewing it. I didn't finish it. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? I think that one was the remembering, I think, or or something like that. Yeah. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I have to go back and re-listen to that one. So that is why I'm incredibly excited to talk to you about The Tender Bar, which is directed by George Clooney. Yes. Uh, This is a movie that some people will realize features one Batman directing another, as this film also stars Ben Affleck. Oh, interesting. So The Tender Bar is adapted from a 2005 memoir by the same name. It tells the story of J.R. Moringer, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. And and it's it's one of my favorite movies of the year, Kyle. Wow. Now, I, I've got to admit to you, I don't know the name J.R. Moringer. You know what? If, if I'm going to be completely honest with you and our listeners, Kyle... I didn't before I watched this movie either, but I assume that if you are in the the big world of consuming a lot of New York Times content and know a lot of famous journalists, you know him, because again, he's a big feature writer and a Pulitzer Prize winner. All right, you've mentioned uh, George Clooney directed, Ben Affleck is in the film. How do they work as a combo, director and actor? So I think they work really well together. Uh, And Ben Affleck is honestly the best part of this movie. Christopher Lloyd is also in it. Doc Brown from Back to the Future, for those who who are a big fan of Back to the Future. Oh, my gosh. Christopher Uh, Lloyd from Taxi and... and... From Taxi and every other great movie he's been in. Right. Uh, He and Affleck are just so effortlessly charismatic in this movie. 
And they are part of what makes it so great. Affleck, most of all, uh, because he plays this really loving Uncle Charlie who steps in for a young J.R. Moringer after his absentee father steps out. Uh, and Ben Affleck plays this lovable uncle that owns a bar called Dickens, and he gets J.R. interested in, in reading, and he grows up to be a writer. And it's all thanks to this Uncle Charlie character that Ben Affleck performs really, really well. It sounds like, I mean, because this is, I guess, year-round is now blockbuster season in Hollywood, but it does kind of sound like this is, well, it's called Tender, but it's a tender sort of quiet movie in the most blockbuster of blockbuster seasons. It is. So, you know, in between all the blockbuster noise over the next few weeks of Spider-Man No Way Home and The Matrix Resurrections and The King's Man... Um, I'm hoping that people will find time to either go to the theater, go to the theaters to watch this or, or pull it up on streaming when it's available. Cause it really is a nice gem of, of a little movie. Um, it's sort of just a bunch of puzzle pieces about this, this kid named JR who's growing up, uh, with an absentee father and with a really close family that makes sure he's not missing any love from his life, even though his father is a dirtbag who has stepped out. All right, so The Tender Bar will tell you more about where you can read the rest of this review and, and see the movie in a moment. But speaking of blockbusters, it is blockbuster season. It is. You know, it's the end of the year, and all of the Hollywood executives that have held movies close to their chest for the Christmas season in hopes of big box office returns, they are now playing their hands. And today, December 17th, is Spider-Man No Way Home. Right. This is Marvel's last offering for the year. Um, you know, we've been a pretty good year for Marvel. You had the Eternals and you had Shang-Chi and Black Widow and, all, of course, all the Disney Plus series, WandaVision and Loki and Captain, you know, and the Winter Soldier and Hawkeye. Now we've got Hawkeye and now we've got Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so I, I obviously, I mean, you know me, I can't wait for the Spider-Man movie. I'm, I'm so excited. As we know from the commercials, just the commercials, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange is in it, at least for some of it as well. Right. And maybe, just maybe, well, I, some previous, yeah. <laughs> some previous Spider-Mans will show up. That would be pretty cool too. I, yeah, I'm trying not to know anything else about it. All right. Now, you and I will not be talking again for a couple of weeks because Ozarks at Large is going to take a couple of weeks off. Is there any way that you know when we talk the first week of 2022 what you might be talking to me about? I would like to talk to you about a movie called The 355, which will be one of the first films released of the year. It's a Jessica Chastain movie. It's about a group of female spies who are just kicking butt and taking names. All right. You can read the full review of The Tender Bar in the Friday edition of the Democrat, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Tender Bar first in theaters, then streaming? Yes. Theaters today and streaming on Amazon Prime January 7th. All right. Hey, Courtney, it's, you've, you have been a great addition to Ozarks at Large in 2021. I cannot wait to talk to you about 52 times in 2022. Well, Kyle, I really appreciate you carving me out a slot of time for your week. Been a great blast, and uh, I'm looking forward to what we get to talk about in the realm of movies next year. All right. Happy holidays. We'll talk to you then. Thanks. You too, Kyle. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents the third and final season of North Forest Lights, an immersive nighttime forest experience featuring nature-inspired light installations, soundscapes, and magical moments. Open Wednesday through Sunday after sunset until January 2nd. Crystalbridges.org for tickets and safety information. This is Ozarks at Large. This week, the musical Mean Girls, based on the movie of the same name created by Tina Fey, is on stage at Walton Arts Center in Fayetteville through Sunday. On yesterday's show, we talked with two cast members, Eric Hoffman and Mary-Kate Morrissey, about the musical centered on the exploits of a clique of popular and, well, Mean Girls, at a high school. Toward the end of our conversation, I asked Mary-Kate about a project she helped launch during the pandemic when theater was quiet, a project that's anything but mean. Yeah, um, well, we sat down and my best friend who plays Linda on Broadway right now in Wicked, the musical, and we toured together for a long time. And 
we had both been doing these master classes and there had been these kind of startups happening where they were doing like virtual meet and greets and things like that. And they were just like a little bit off and GC didn't want to like, she was like, no, we're going to go back next month. It's going to be great. And I called her and I was like, this is going to be a while. And we have a really big opportunity here to like create community. And so she and I started out, we wanted to teach two classes for 16 kids. We got over a hundred submissions for it. And we, from there, built a, a virtual academy where we have um, we have curriculum that is based on the performing arts in Zoom settings. Like, how can we use the Zoom room and what is available to us there that is not available in an actual audition room? How do we play with guests and lighting and all these different things that can help aid in our self-tapes? And also, like, it was a time where these middle school, high school, and grade school kids didn't have didn't have friends like they mm. were losing links they were losing they were losing community and we gave them a safe place to play and explore and be mentored and be told by people that they looked up to that they are loved and worthy and smart and kind and it like grew into this incredible incredible thing I could cry about it where um, you see these kids change. You see them come in as shy and really unassured and leaving with so much confidence. And if you can imagine the emails I get from parents that would be like, last year my daughter was celebrating her birthday alone. It was the start of the pandemic and it was just us. And she didn't want anyone to come over and nobody came and said hi. And this year she has to leave the table early because 40 of her friends are on Zoom throwing her a costume oh. birthday party. You know, it was just this... And we plan on doing more with Double Name Witches, but it was such a special moment of the pandemic where GC and I really felt like we we grew something with our bare hands and our own minds that, like, affected so many young people and people our age. So, like, we taught ages you know eight to 30 and and it was a really really special group really just like a hard challenging to start a business with your best friend but crazy crazy cool experience mary Kay morrissey a member of the cast of mean girls talking with us this week the national touring production of mean girls is on stage through sunday at walton art center you can learn more at waltonartcenter.org This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Knoll, Missouri. 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. As I mentioned at the beginning of this hour, this is our last new show for 2021. We are going to take a break from new shows until January 6th, 2022. I cannot say enough about the people who have made this show possible over this year and last year. I mean, really, this feels like the end of two years, 22 years of pandemic. It's time to take just a break. We'll be back with brand new shows beginning Thursday, January 6th, 2022. Speaking of the people who helped put this show together, it takes an incredible team. Thanks to Timothy Dennis, who produced today's show, by the way, as well as Daniel Carruth, Matthew Moore, and Jacqueline Froelich, people who contribute to this program every single day. And my colleagues who work here at KUAF, Lee Wood, our general manager, Sherry Ottaviano, who is our membership director, Rhonda Dillard, our underwriting director, Pete Hartman, who is operations manager. You hear him every morning, every weekday morning with uh, Community Spotlight and Jasper Logan, who is our community engagement officer. Thank you all very much for working as hard as you do. And the regular voices that you hear on Ozarks at Large throughout the year, Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. Charlie Allison, who brings us the history of the University of Arkansas most Wednesdays. He's the executive editor at University Relations at the U of A. Becca Martin-Brown, my dear, dear friend, who is the features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Becca, thanks for making this such a fun Friday. Speaking of Fridays, Michael Tilley, who's with us almost every Friday. He's with Talk Business and Politics. Michael, please take care of yourself. Can't wait to talk to you about more things in 2022. Roby Brock and John Brummett, who are with us Tuesdays. Roby, who is with Talk Business and Politics, John Brummett, a political columnist for the 
Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Thank you. Paul Gatling, who we hear on Thursdays and most Sundays with the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Reports that are produced by Stephanie Brock for us in Little Rock. Thank you for great sound perimeters, Leah Uribe. Leah and I talked earlier this week about some of the things we have planned for 2022. I cannot wait. Our militant grammarian, Catherine Shields, I know, we know you love her. I hear so many comments about Catherine. We'll have new visits with her in 2022. Dr. Corey Banton, who is the host of Undisciplined, thank you for your energy and time. And uh, Pastor Clint Schneckloth, who gives us great book recommendations throughout the year. The students who uh, worked at KUAF this semester and helped us in so many different ways. Landry, Dylan, Ethan, Taylor, Benta, thank you so much. And the voices that were with us when this year began but aren't with us anymore, Raven Cook, Zuzana Sytek, Antoinette Grajeda, thank you for your years of help. They're continuing to make this world a better place. Thank you all. And of course, our underwriters, our contributing listeners, and you. You for listening and supporting Ozarks at Large. Thank you so much. And as we end... 2021, I have to say uh, one other thank you to someone who I couldn't have done this show without my mother, uh, Pat Callums, who died early in 2021 at the age of 88. She was, uh, along with the rest of the members of my family, my brothers, Kurt and Kevin, my father, uh, they never thought it was weird that the youngest member of their family would go to the bedroom and talk into a tape recorder and host a radio show that no one would ever hear. Not only did they not think it was weird, they would encourage it. And look where it landed me. Uh, a lifetime of happiness and a job I can't believe still all these years later that I'm lucky enough to have. When I was with my mother one day early in 2021, or it may have been late 2020, I had driven to Lakeview, Arkansas, a small town where I grew up about two and a half hours east of here. Uh, my brothers and I were taking turns taking her from her home that she lived in since 1968 into dialysis in Mountain Home. We were done one morning. We, we arrived back home, and she was too weak to uh, walk from the car back into the house. And she asked if I could get her in the wheelchair that we had. I could, but of course, we didn't have a ramp at the house, so I had to carry her in to the house. It took a lot of, out of both of us. I put her down on the couch that's in the front room. It was a stormy day. We just sat there, kind of breathing heavy, catching our breath. And she looked at the shadows that were dancing around this room that were created by the, the rain clouds that uh, had developed outside and were shining through the windows. And she said, it looks like, it looks like pyramids of ancient Egypt. And then she said, isn't there an old song that has that line? I said, yeah. And as it turned out, I could find that song, You Belong to Me by the Duprees, and I played it for her instantly, which she thought was amazing. She had not kept up with technology, and she couldn't believe that I could just in seconds find the song she was talking about and playing. And then we listened to it together. And it was a wonderful moment. I just saw her looking at this imagined skyline that she had discussed. And at the end of the song, the last line is, You Belong to Me. <laughs> and this great moment, she turned to me and said, isn't that just like a man saying, you belong to me? And there it was, everything you needed to know about Pat Kellums. Her imagination that she shared with her kindergarten and first grade students for so many years. Her Luddite ways that didn't let her know that there were such things as Spotify. And finally, her strong sense of feminism. She would have loved that I got to interview Gloria Steinem this year. Thank you to everyone who's made the journey so far great. Here's to a better 2022 for all of us. Thanks so much for your attention. Have a great holiday season. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, I'm Kyle Kellams. See the pyramid.